Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Life Central. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're all about, check out our website, lifecentral.org.za or like, follow and subscribe to our social media channels. We hope this message speaks into your life and that you will find meaning and purpose through it, guiding you through your daily life. Like most little kids, I enjoyed making my parents proud. I truly valued it. I did my chores, I did my homework, I was honest, and I was well-mannered. And these were all things that my parents valued and celebrated in me. One day, my mom gave me some money to go and buy figurines for both a friend of mine and myself. We left home, got to my dad's house, I got out the car and I remember having the money in the car still, grabbed my bag, ran to the gate, waved my mom goodbye and walked up to the house, got inside and greeted everybody. A little time later, I was looking for the money in my bag and I couldn't find it anywhere. I, I'm not sure if it was the pressure of the responsibility or if it was the fear of disappointing my dad. But I decided to lie about it and say that my mom didn't get around to giving me the money yet. It was on the way from the front door back to the gate to go to school that things started getting a little bit tricky because there on the path was four 20 rand notes waving in the early morning breeze. I walked up to it, picked it up, and with a surprised look, to my, look on my face, I turned to my dad and said, did you lose any money? He looked at it and said to me, hey, if you find it in the front yard, it's all yours. For a moment there, I thought I got away with it. You see, my value system was tested in that moment. Uh, all by myself, I decided to give up on my core values, on what made me who I am, on, on my character on, and on my identity. And I chose to value money over all that stuff. Was it long after that, that the truth came out? And I'll be honest with you, the consequences were sorely felt for quite a while. <laughs> but it was the look of disappointment on my parents' faces that was the hard thing to get through, to get around, to get over. You see, I learned that day that there is a massive difference between the things that we value and our actual core values, those things that make us who we are, those basic building blocks of our characters and our identities. Jesus is speaking to a crowd on the side of a hill and he tells them uh, that, or he gives them this list of personal values that they can live by that will, sh will make them uh, stand out from the crowd, that'll make them stand out from the rest of the world. Uh, we call it the Beatitudes. Now, the Beatitudes literally mean uh, divine joy and perfect happiness. So Jesus tells them that they will find divine joy and perfect happiness if they are poor in spirit and they recognize their need for Him. When they mourn the right things, when they are hum humble, when they hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, when they are merciful, when they 
have pure hearts, when they work for peace. He says that they will have divine joy and perfect happiness when they do the right thing. And finally, when they are persecuted or mocked for being his followers. Jesus gives them this wonderful list of values. And then he ends it off by saying this to them. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your, your heavenly Father. Jesus tells this crowd that values, these personal values, these basic building blocks of character and identity will set them apart from the rest of society. It'll make them examples to everybody following around. It'll show them, it'll show other people how to live and give them a goal to aspire to. Kind of saying to them that you get to live on this hill and everybody around gets to be inspired by your life. We're no better than anybody else when we do this, no. But we give everybody else a chance to also step into God's best for them. You see, a life that's set apart, that lives on that hill, gives light, direction, hope, purpose, and helps others to set a good course for their lives. So we're talking values here. What are values? Well, there's a distinct difference between the things we value and our core values. Um, the things we value, man, they change often. I value pizza some days over ice cream, and I value sweets and chocolates over both of those on other days. So clearly, those things I value isn't the most important things in my life. But core values is what makes up my character and my identity. It is the non-negotiables. It is the unchangeables of who I am and what I live like. It is things, it is values, it is qualities that nobody can take from me. Uh, let me explain it to you this way. I value honesty. I think it's, somebody, it's something that I want to be known for as an honest person. It is a quality that I hope that people uh, talk about behind my back. Uh, I also find that there is great value in money. Is money one of my core values? No, no, but I can take care of my family well when I have money. And if I steward it correctly, there's some great things that can be done with money. Here's the difference in value though. You see, money can be taken from me, but honesty, I can only give up. There's different ways to make money. I can find a job, I can do well at the job, get a promotion and make more money. I can start a business, work really hard at it and make more money. I can decide to swindle pensioners out of their pension and make some money. I can rob a bank and quickly make some money. I can cheat on my taxes and save some money. Some of those values or some of those uh, ways will violate my values. And some of those uh, ways will actually help me to live out my character, my identity, 
and my value. The one, money, can be taken from me by a person. The other, honesty, I can only give up. You see, values are the attributes, attributes of who a person wants to be. It gives us a great measuring stick of who we become. You see, real failure in life is failing to live by your values or live up to your values. Real success in life is taking action every single day to embody your values. Now, it's here that I want to tell you a, a very cautionary tale of the life of Samson. Now, Samson's life is recorded in the book of Judges, which at this stage, man, it's just a very grim look at Israel, and they've become not the nation that God has created them to be. They've continually given up on their values. They've continually decided to give up on the things that God created them for, and to not enter into His promise, and to not have the best that He has for them. Now, as we're speaking about that whole city on a hill thing, that was God's heart for the nation of Israel. To become this nation that everybody else points at and goes, if you honor God, that's how well it'll go with you. If you honor God, that's how good you look. That's how good your nation goes. That's how good society looks. Let's try to model ourselves after those Israelites. That's God's heart for them. That was never Israel's plan for themselves, apparently. See, the big problem there is that nobody took those values from them. No, they decided to give up on those values daily. How much? Well, they decided not to stand out at all. In fact, they continually chose to fit in, all the way up to idol worship and child sacrifices. And they embodied the fact that real failure is failing to live by your values. Into the, into the mix here, enter Samson. Now, Samson starts off well. His parents are unable to have children, and after a long time, they're visited by a messenger from God and told that they will have a son, and that they have to raise this son as a Nazarite, as somebody dedicated to God, as somebody uh, declared as, or consecrated, sorry, set apart as God. Now, this came with certain prerequisites. It meant that Samson would never drink wine or any alcoholic drinks, that Samson would very strictly keep to the Jewish uh, dietary requirements and never eat anything that is unclean, that Samson will never touch a dead thing uh, or any dead animal. And finally, it meant that Samson would never cut his hair. Now, as I said, it starts off well. And these parents love this young, this little boy, and they grow him up in all the right ways, putting the right values into him and hoping that he'll make good decisions as he goes. God promises that if they raise him up this way, that he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. God gives Samson an amazing gift a gift of superhuman strength. It's usually here that we think of Marvel movies and go, hey, how strong was he? Well, that's kind of the story of his life. Um, 
Samson uh, is introduced as a young man looking to find a wife. He goes to a neighboring town and sees a pretty girl, goes home and tells his parents, I want her, you need to get her for me to marry her. Um, I don't know if that's a great proposal, but that's what he did. Um, they then traveled to the neighboring town to go and start the negotiations. Uh, Samson goes off on his own a little bit and he gets attacked by a lion. And this is what Judges tells us happened. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did this as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. It's quite an amazing thing that happened there, but he tells nobody about it. He then goes with his parents, they do the negotiations, they go back home, and the time comes for the wedding. Samson remembers that he'd killed this lion, and so he walks down the path where this lion's carcass is, and he sees that bees had made honey inside of this carcass. He kneels down, leans over, moves the carcass, scoops out some honey, and eats it. He, this is the first time that we see that uh, Samson had uh, violated his Nazarene vow by touching a dead animal. He tells no one, and he acts like nothing happened. He goes to the party. At the party, things start going strange. Uh, he he remembers his cool interaction with the, the bee, the, the bees, the carcass, the honey, and he thinks up a riddle. And he has these 30 young men that needs to attend to him at all times during the party. They are young, wealthy, strapping, strong, smart men. And so he decides that he's going to ask them a riddle. And if they solve the riddle, he owes them a whole bunch of money and clothing. If uh, they don't solve his, his, his riddle by the end of the wedding, which is about a week, then he owes them, uh, or, or they owe him, a lot of money and a lot of clothing. These guys realize that it's a really tough riddle. So they decide to manipulate his new bride into finding the secret, finding out what the riddle's answer is, and then telling them. They manage to get it right. Samson is very angry. And Samson decides that the way to solve his debt is to go into the next town, kill 30 young men, take their clothes, take their money, and pay his debts in town A. Samson does this, and he's so angry that he leaves the party, he leaves the wedding feast without his wife, and goes back home to his mom and dad. Um, he calms down, decides to go and find his wife again, and another strange thing happens. He gets to where he's supposed to just, you know, meet with his wife and say hello to his in-laws. He finds that his wife is married to his best man, that the father decided, well, Samson isn't showing up. I'm just going to marry her off to someone else. This is just one more time where things go really, really weird for Samson. And just notice how badly things start spiraling, spiraling out of control here. Then he, then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened the torch to each of their tails. Then he lit the torches, and he let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and their olive groves. After all this, 
Samson figures out that he's in trouble now, and he goes and he tries to hide away. Uh, the Philistines, uh, while Samson is hiding, they murder his, his new bride. They murder his father-in-law. And they're really, really trying to find him. They enlist the Israelites to try to find him as well. The Israelites do, and they hand him over to the Philistines. It's when he's captured that Samson again uses his strength. He breaks his restraints, finds the jawbone of a donkey lying somewhere, and he murders another thousand Philistines. Um, this reads like a bad soapy, doesn't it? <laughs> and things just keep getting better, worse and worse in this story. Samson goes home. There's a, another bit about a wild knight with a prostitute and a plot to kill him. Hey, he, he wakes up early, uh, tries to get out of the town, can't get out of the town because the doors are locked. He in the ultimate flex over the men of the town, picks up the door and the bar that holds it all uh, together, that locks everything together, and carries it to the top of a hill, throws it down and gets away. It's all bizarre. But at this stage where the famous bit of Samson's story is told, where he meets Delilah. Delilah is another young, good-looking woman, uh, but she also has some problems. She, she just finds it way too easy <laughs> to give up Samson and, 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 and get him handed over to the authorities if she just gets enough money. She figures out that, hey, she's going to have to get him to give up his secret to his strength. And she keeps asking him several times. Uh, he, she asks him, well, where's, where's, the, where's the source of your strength? And he tells her a story and she tries it and it doesn't work and some people get beat up. Uh, it happens over and over and over again. When finally Samson decides, well, look, I'm going to have to tell this woman or she's not going to stop nagging me. And he tells Delilah, well, if my head is shaved, that's when I'll lose my strength. Delilah seduces him. Delilah gets him to fall asleep. She calls in the soldier. They shave his head. Uh, she shouts, the Philistines are upon us. Samson jumps up, thinking that he's still strong. And then he realizes that his strength has left him. He's no stronger than any of the men trying to attack him at that stage. He is captured, and his eyes are gouged out for good measure. Um, it's a tragic story, isn't it? And it's still not even over. But... When we're talking about values, these basic building blocks that make up our character and our identity, it's easy to see that although Samson started out right, those, those foundations were laid, he continually chooses, he continually gives up on those values. He continuously hands them off as not his own and lands himself in deeper and deeper trouble over and over and over again to the point where he thinks he's untouchable and gives up his final secret and then he gets captured. The last part of Samson's life is spent being treated as a farm animal where he, he, he grinds grain and the Philistines decide that oh, they, they're going to take another chance at mocking him, another chance at, at joking and laughing at, at who this man is supposed to be. And they take him into a party and everybody, as they walk, through the, walk into the party, they can see Samson, they can laugh at Samson, they can mock Samson. 
he once more prays and says, God, please give me my strength back. God, please use me one last time. And, and God shows us that doesn't matter at what stage of our lives we, we turn to him, he will use us to his glory. Samson gets his strength back and he pushes these two pillars over and the roof collapses and, and 3,000 men and women, including all of the, 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 the leaders and rulers of the Philistines, all perish in one foul swoop. It's such a tragic life. At the end, God's promise comes true and Samson did begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. But what a wasted life of, or what a life of wasted potential. How much more could he have done? You see, God could have used him to much greater effect if he'd chosen the values that makes up his identity, that makes up his character, that was supposed to make up his character, that was supposed to make up his identity. See, Samson's life was set up to live on this hill, to shine a light, to show people what faith looks like, to show people what hope looks like, what peace looks like, what trusting God looks like. And he chose to not do that over and over and over again. And it, was, it led to a life of wasted potential. Where does this leave you and me? Where does, how does this relate to you and me? Well, when we know our values and when we live our lives according to those values, it makes life a whole lot easier in making difficult decisions, in making decisions around what job should I pursue, around should I take this promotion or shouldn't I take this promotion? Should I start this business or should I wait? Should I be firm in my position or can I be a bit more uh, um, uh, compromising in this position? Should I stick to tradition? Or should I try something new? See, our values guide us in these times. Should I be in this relationship? Should I marry this person? Our values lead us and guide us in these moments. You see, defining your values are some of the most important decisions you'll ever make before you have to make course-changing decisions. Let me read that again. Defining your values are some of the most important decisions you'll ever make before you have to make course-changing decisions. Where do we start? Well, Jesus told us, didn't he, on the side of that mountain when he said, uh, divine joy and perfect happiness is yours when you are poor in spirit and you recognize it and you turn to God, you recognize your need for Him. When you mourn about the right things, when you're humble, when you hunger and thirst for justice, when you are merciful, when your hearts are pure, when you work for peace, when you do the right thing, and when you are persecuted and mocked for being his follower, because that will happen over and over again. Values are gonna have make you make some tough decisions in the face of other people. And they might mock you, they might tell you all kinds of stories about it. But the truth is, you will live at, on that hill. And people will see you and people will look to you for inspiration. People will see how you find faith and people will see how to find hope and to how, where to find love and where to find direction and purpose for their lives. Because you keep choosing 
according to the values that God has placed in you, according to the values that you choose and that nobody can take from you. The question is, what is your next step in all of this? Well, throughout the Bible, there is lots of lists of values given. And although it doesn't always use the same words, it always addresses our heart attitudes. And it always addresses our look towards the future and our dependence on God. Now, I want to challenge you to take a look at your values. Not the things that people can take from you, but those core foundational building blocks of who you are. Those core foundational blocks of your identity and your character. And I want you to take stock of them. See if some of them needs adjustment. Does some of them need adding to? Does some of them need a complete breaking off? May God challenge you in this time to build on His foundation for your life. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be here today. We thank you for the challenge that you have given us. Lord, as we look at the Beatitudes, Lord, and, and see your values reflected in them, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that we can take those values and measure those decision-making processes in our lives, Lord God, that we point them towards you and point them towards the person that you have created us to be, Lord, that all of us might be like that city on a hill, have this hill to live on, Lord, to light up the area around us, to point people towards you, towards hope, towards faith, towards peace, towards love in everything that we do. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us and keep coming back for the rest of our Hill to Live On series. Thank you for listening in to the Life Central podcast today. If you would like to get connected or get involved, follow us on social media or visit our website, lifecentral.org.za. We hope you join us here again next week.